and welcome to the second episode of Seeing One Another, Seeing Ourselves. I'm Christina Saltos. I'm a musicologist, which means I study how humans make music, why humans make music, and how human music making has changed over time. We've just heard Felipe Brito, Marco Antonio Santos, and Fabio Agostinas play their rendition of Aquarela do Brasil, a famous Brazilian samba piece by Ari Barroso. How are you all doing today? Excellent. Good. We also have two extra special guests here as well who are also scholars and musicologists, Janelle Ramirez and Vicky Mogolon Montagna. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. So today we're going to talk about the very cool music we just heard Felipe, Marco, and Fabio play. Samba! But before we get into the details of Samba's history, we need to talk about exactly what type of word Samba is. Samba is a genre of music. You may have heard the word genre before. Some people describe a genre as music boxes that artists and listeners put music into based on shared musical features that occur over and over again. But it's a little trickier than that. You see, genres are also shaped by how musicians perform them and audiences experience them. Because artists love to create new things and surprise their listeners, musicians often mix genres with other genres, instruments, and performance ideas leading to changes. Sometimes these changes create subgenres, which are genres of music that fit within bigger genres because they share a lot of characteristics. Kind of like when you can fit one cup inside another because they share a similar shape. Genres also change because different kinds of people hear them, enjoy them, and want to add to them with musical ideas from their own background or tradition. Both of these things happen with the genre of samba. Felipe, could you tell us a little more about samba's beginnings? Absolutely. Samba is a genre that has its roots in Afro-Brazilian music traditions. If someone is Afro-Brazilian, it means that they are of African descent and grew up in Brazil. Many African people came to Brazil because they were enslaved by the Portuguese, who were in control of Brazil until 1822. While scholars aren't fully sure what specific music traditions Samba came from, many people point to Afro-Brazilian circle dances as Lundu song, a type of tradition music, as two potential sources. Where samba really flourished, however, was in Rio de Janeiro, or as we say, Rio de Janeiro. One of the reasons why this happened is because lots of Afro-Brazilians migrated there after the emancipation or freeing of slaved people in 1888. Many people came from the state of Bahia, where life was getting hard. Once in Rio, many Afro-Brazilians began coming together to hang out and make music, some of which turned into samba. Samba started to really take the form we recognize today in 1920s, when black artists such as Sinho and Pixinguinha began using stanza refrain, a music structure that always has the same set of words and music come back after different words or music is played. They also used music to talk about their lives and the people in their communities, people who often weren't heard because they didn't make very much money. Now, although we have Afro-Brazilians to thank for samba, many different groups of people contributed to its growth. This is because Brazil is a very, very diverse country. 
Folks of Amerindian, African, Portuguese, and European descent all live in Brazil to this day. Amerindians were the very first people to ever call Brazil their home. Because lots of people fall in love and have families, many people are mixed race, meaning that they belong to two or more of these groups. White composers were one group of people that also helped samba grow. They began to write samba in the 1930s, creating a new subgenre called samba canciao. These composers added new harmonies to samba and put a bigger focus on what the vocalist was singing. Ari Barroso, the man who wrote the song we heard at the beginning of the show, was one of these composers. Now, if you've heard samba before, you may be a little confused because it, what we heard sounds so different from the samba you hear today. But that's because, like many other genres, samba has continued to change and grow over time. Genres are always changing. While people have continued to add new instruments, ideas, and musical traditions, here are a few key musical features you might hear one or more of. Musical units made up of two units of time known as beats, with a strong emphasis on the second beat, syncopation, which means shifting the beat forward or backward from its expected place to create a cool rhythm, and stanzas refrains, the musical form that brings back the same music and words after something different happens. If you're interested in testing your listening ears, we've included some examples on the website. Now, Brazil is a very big country that's part of a larger region, Latin America, but I need a little help. Could someone help me figure out what Latin America is? No problem, Christina. Latin America is a region consisting of Mexico, Central America, South America, and countries in the Caribbean that speak Spanish or French. Like Brazil, this region has a lot of different folks in it of African, European, Amerindian, and mixed-race descent. While these are some of the most common groups of people and languages, it is important to note that there are many other languages and groups of people in Latin America. Latin America is very special because it has so many beautiful cultures. There are many different Latin American experiences, and it's best to allow people from Latin America to choose what they call themselves. Most people in Latin America identify by the country they were born in, calling themselves Brazilian, for example, like me. In the United States, though, it's a little trickier. People from Latin America are usually identified as a group by two names, Hispanic and Latino, Latina. These words, however, have different meanings. Yes, they do. I did some research and got some answers that explain how they are different. To be of Hispanic descent means that you are from Spain or a country that speaks Spanish. The term Hispanic excludes Brazil because they speak Portuguese. Latino or Latina refers to a man or woman living in the United States who is of Latin American descent. But today we're going to talk about an exciting new term, Latinx. Latinx was a term coined in 2004 by people of Latin American descent who wanted to include folks that don't identify as male or female. Spanish is a gendered language, meaning that people who identify as women and certain words with A, and people who identify as men and certain words with O. For example, if I was talking to my family in Ecuador because I'm a woman, when I'm saying I'm tired, I would say estoy cansada. The X in Latinx is gender neutral, which means it includes people who don't identify as men or women. Sometimes these folks use terms like 
genderqueer, and non-binary to describe themselves. This term also celebrates that Latin America is made up of a mix of African, Amerindian, and European folks and strives to advocate for people in this group that aren't being treated with respect by certain people or governments. And there's something else that's happened that's really cool. Latinx has also created some new trends in music that Janelle has studied. Janelle, can you tell us how people are using Latinx identity to make some new genres? Sure. The term Latinx has a lot to do with pan-Latinidad, which is the idea that we are part of a big community because we share similar experiences. So even though my parents are from Cuba, I might have a lot in common with someone whose parents are from Colombia. Maybe we grew up hearing some of the same Spanish language music, and we both have to deal with being bicultural or code switching, which just means moving back and forth from one culture to another. When we focus on what we have in common, we can work together to make things, like music festivals. There's a lot of great new Latinx music festivals full of music that doesn't really fit in anywhere else. Latinx musicians today are using technology, like music production software and robots, in really fun ways to create all kinds of new sounds, like Dreambow or Spanglish Dream Pop. The internet allows these new styles to thrive because artists can reach listeners all over the world through platforms like Spotify or YouTube. And they don't have to fit into old categories of Latin music. It's something totally different that comes out of this blend of Latinx cultures here in the U.S. Wow, very cool. Thank you, Janelle. It seems like a lot of really interesting things happen when we mix genres. But I have a question. Can some negative things happen too? Yes, they can. And I'll give you an example. Even though I am from Venezuela, a country in South America, I became really interested in a type of Mexican music called Son Jarocho. Son Jarocho comes from a state called Veracruz in the east side of Mexico. Traditionally, people understood Son Jarocho as a rural country genre created through the mixing of indigenous, Africans, and Spanish influences. The music was so popular and so significant that in the 1920s, the Mexican government started treating it as the national music. It was not mariachi, but son jarocho, the music that all Mexicans were proud of. Sadly, in this process, urban, city-like, and European features and history were highlighted, almost to the point that everything else got lost. This is an important takeaway. Sometimes, when genres evolve, they leave some people behind, and we must remember them. Another takeaway, upon first listening, we're not always able to pick up every single musical or historical influence of a certain genre. Those are great points, Vicky. If you know people that helped make a genre, it's important to be a teacher and name the folks that participated in making the music so many of us enjoy. And here's something really cool. Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. You don't have to be Latinx to play Latinx music. It's important that we all listen to, learn about, and play each other's music. And today we're going to do that together. And Felipe, Marco, and Fabio are going to teach us to play a little bit of Aquarela do Brasil, the song we heard before. 
So first, we're going to learn some of the instruments. What's the first one we should start with today? Hmm. We're going to start with pandeiro. That's a percussion instrument from Brazil, very traditional, used in samba. What does it sound like? I see, so the pandero gives us a really great steady beat. What's the next instrument we're using for this piece? The next instrument that we're using for this piece is the guitar, commonly used in samba as well, accompanying the voice together with the pandero. Ah, what does that sound like? So it seems like we're getting some harmony there as well. And what's the last instrument we need? The last one is the trombone, used several times to substitute the singer to do the melody. And here's something very exciting. We're all going to sing as well and help. Janelle, Vicky, and myself will be singing along with you. So let's learn the melody before we play all together. Excellent work, everyone. Okay, so we're gonna put it all together now and we're gonna do it two times so we can get the hang of it. And you can sing along with us. Marco, Fabio, and Felipe for playing with us today. And a special thank you to Janelle Ramirez and Vicky Mogolon Montagna for coming in today and sharing their knowledge with us. If you'd like to know more about the artists we had today or the scholars we spotlighted, please check it out on the website. And if you have any questions about Latinx music and other things you'd like to learn about, you can ask those there as well. Before we leave today, we'd like to give a special thank you to the UT Austin Rainwater Innovation Grant and the UT Austin Fine Arts Diversity Committee for their financial support. Once again, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next time.